Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Mind Your Marketing Podcast. Today's show is brought to you by Cave Social. Cave Social is a marketing agency based out of Los Angeles, California that helps companies grow online. So if you need help growing your company or you're struggling with your marketing efforts, head over to Cave Social at cavesocial.com. Hit that contact us, book a free consultation, and they'll be able to help you out. Cool. All right. Today, I am sitting with Brant Cooper. Brant Cooper is a New York Times bestselling author for his book, The Lean Entrepreneur. Now he consults, goes into companies, Fortune 500, Fortune 100, massive global brands, and helps them really innovate their process. So we get into innovative thinking as a brand and what you can do and how you can take that as a small business owner and really you know, latch on to the uncertainty of the future and use it as fuel. So sit back and enjoy. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Mind Your Marketing Podcast. Today, I've got Brant Cooper on the show. Brant, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jordan. Good to be here. So Brant is a New York Times bestselling author of The Lean Entrepreneur, CEO of Moves the Needle. You got over two decades of experience helping big companies really bring innovative products to market. Talk to me. Tell me about that journey, you know, both as an author uh, and as a consultant and really how this all came to be. Yeah, sure. Boy, author. Yeah, that's its own journey. I, I guess I've always sort of been a, a writer not long after graduating from college, which was quite a while ago. You know, I went to work and maybe got through a year of sort of regular work and then dropped out and decided to write the great American novel. I finished the novel. It was American since I'm American, but it wasn't very good. And I guess there are some clearly that are born geniuses and they get to write great things, do great art when they're young. Uh, that wasn't me. I needed to live a little bit more, I think. So actually, I hope to get back to the fiction writing at some point. But Always, always love to write. I eventually worked my way back into quote unquote, you know, normal working and was up in the Bay Area and lived through the dot com boom and bust. So up in the startup world, I uh, was in um, several different startups, some of them massively successful, one massively successful, I should say, and, you know, a couple okay. And then, you know, the crushing failures, the ones that actually just flat on the face. And after the dot-com bust, there were people who were writing about, well, you know, why are we trying to create startups that look like these big behemoth businesses? And people were coming to conclusions that actually successful startups did it differently. And so I returned to writing in order to write some ideas I had based upon my learning and my journey of that time. Uh, you know, what how we should be thinking about startups. And back in those days, which was when I published that book is about 10 years ago, and I've got a new version out, uh, by the way. But back then, we really thought it was just for startups. And it's just for Silicon Valley start Silicon Valley type startups that want to scale and are probably tech based. And over the last 10 years, the journey really has told me that, that it's really more about wherever you face uncertainty. And I think uh, the pandemic actually has, has driven that home. And I'm happy to talk about that a little bit more. But I do consult now with large enterprises to try, them, try to help them deal with uncertainty generally using these techniques. And I've got a new book hopefully coming out in about a year that will really address how I think corporations should be changing really the entire way that they're structured in order to better deal with uncertainty. 
so that's that's how I got where I am now. Very cool. So let's let's dive right in. I mean, let's talk about the uncertainty, which I feel like the last five months have been nothing but uncertain and unprecedented, and you know all of these uh, words that are, we see over and over again and are really real. How have you viewed this past five months and in the work you've been doing? Have there been any clients where you've really come in and you're like, okay, you know, now we put the principles to the test? Were there other companies reaching out to you? Just talk to me about really this last five months, you know, since COVID. Or I guess four months since. COVID. COVID has taken off. Yeah. So my business is frankly, like many other small businesses struggled. So I've talked to a lot of company leaders about this, you know, about how I can help them and apply some of these principles to help them deal with the massive amounts of uncertainty that they're facing. What I hear often is, oh, you know, we're sitting on our budgets. We just can't spend the money right now. We really need to buckle down. Right. So that was sort of the favorite term is, yeah, we really got to buckle down. And what they mean by buckling down is that they got to go back into what I call execution mode. And that is, what do we know to be true? And how have we always made money? And let's work really hard and do more of that. And if we like push through this, um, you know, we're going to be okay. And, you know, the style of leaders, I think really industrial age version is they're very strong people, strong leaders, you know, let's go tackle a mountain, let's go conquer, you know, that hill. So their reaction to a crisis like like COVID is, is sort of exactly that, you know, like we got to execute harder, let's go, you know, we got to really buckle down. And I would try to ask them the question, and this worked to varying degrees, and I've done, I've done more talks than consulting, to be honest, but I've tried to ask them, well, what are you buckling down to? What are you actually executing on? Because what you knew to be true five, six months ago, how your customers were behaving, what your customers were able to purchase, you know, especially if you're selling to consumers and uh, small businesses, that's all changed. So if you just buckle down, you're going to fail. And I'm not sure that I really convinced people. I probably scared them. But the companies that we are working uh, with is all dealing with uncertainty. It can be as, you know, how do you manage remote workers? There's uncertainty around that. But it's also just, you have to go try to understand the state that your customers are in currently in order to sell them your existing products and services, in order that you can actually, hopefully, create value for those customers such that they, they're more than happy to pay for what you're offering. So that's really how I view the last four or five months. I've always sort of had this mantra, but it's just that we have to go into learning mode when we don't know. When we're in the unknown, in uncertainty, we have to be working in learning mode. Um, but again, this pandemic has really brought that home because it means that for a lot of businesses, they're very core business. The things they used to be executing on are now suddenly faced with this uncertainty. 100%. And I mean, you're seeing some businesses who, hey, we were maybe a t-shirt you know, producer before. We have all this material. All right. Let's let's listen. And what's the demand? Oh, we, the demands for masks and PPE. Great. We're going to start, you know, making that. And we've, you know, have a couple of clients and actually have seen people pivot or alcohol companies pivoting to creating sanitizer, but really learning and listening, right? Which are two things that should be a constant, but often get forgotten. And like you said, it's just so important to go into that learning phase because what does buckling down mean, right? You can't revert back to some past time. There's new factors that are always going to be impacting business, whether that's right now a disease or in the future, if it's technology, if it's a competitor, whatever that may be is going to force us back to the drawing board. So I'm right there with you. 
Yeah, that's great. There is some really good stories, right? And even larger, more complex, you know, life sciences company that decided to suddenly pivot into going after a, a vaccine or helping do the testing better. Those are amazing examples because believe me, I understand it's hard to change. There's an older example that I like to give. You know, the iPhone comes out in 2007 and then really takes off in 2008, right? And just is crushing the market. And there's all these phone companies, Nokia, for instance, that in 2009 and 2010 are still creating the same flip phones that were part of their five-year business plan from 2005. What are they building? I mean, the amount of waste that goes into building those phones when the iPhone was just going crazy. And it's this lack of agility, right? So we have a word for it and we have methodologies on how we can teach it is being agile. And and the uh, you know sort of the fundamental precept of agile is that you need to, like a meerkat, you have to lift your head up, you have to look around, take in new information from the economy, from your the state of your company, maybe from, you know, the state of your employees, maybe it's your, you know, your, your life partner at home, or it's your business partner, but take in new information. What, what's going on out there? And Hey, does any of that information, should that change what we're working on right now? And if the answer is no, great. Go into your next sprint, put your head back down, get your work done, but then have that cadence that you're like, okay, a month later or a week later on some you know, startup companies, or maybe it's two months later. I don't really care about the duration, but that you have it as part of the, you know, the operating engine is, okay, time to lift our heads up again. What's going on out there in the world? Should we learn something and, and change our plans again? Oh, you have to account for the blind spots. It's like uh, I go to this conference every year and it's a bunch of real estate marketing directors, right? And we're sitting in this meeting and, and I'm a marketing consultant to them and into the space. So we're sitting in the meetings in the little closed groups. And I asked everyone, I said, well, who here is going to any conferences outside of real estate? Not a single person. And I'm like, okay, do you think this could maybe be a blind spot, <laughs> right? And if all we're doing is learning from each other, and learning from this industry, we're going to miss what's coming. And you're going to miss what something that's maybe happening in, happening in hospitality that's then going to shake this industry up. And we're going to be, to your example, we're going to end up looking like Nokia, where we're living off marketing plans that are outdated and no longer serve utility or product plans for that matter. So yeah, it's one of those interesting things, you know, at least in the startups that I've worked with, they've done weekly iteration on their marketing message. Not huge, right? But just weekly. What worked? What didn't? Tactical shifts. They've been the most successful opposed to the companies that want to review annually, for instance. Right. <laughs> Let's re review our strategy every year. And I'm like, uh, it's 2020. You can't be reviewing every year. If there's any year you can't be doing that, it's this one. Especially if they haven't really found that growth hit yet, right? You know, Sean Ellis, founder of the term growth hacking, is a friend of mine, and I was talking to him a bit about the term growth hacking for this new version of the book, The Startup Blue Book. And marketing messages is sort of one of the three pillars that make up growth hacking. And I thought that it was interesting because I sort of blithely would say, oh, you know, growth hacking is sort of the lean start startup for marketing. You're running experiments. But it's more than that. I think it's when companies are trying to find their growth curve, they have a limited number of levers that they can pull. One of them is the product itself and, and adding or even removing features, but trying to get the, trying to nail that core value proposition that they're delivering to the market segment. Well, the messaging, the positioning of that product is also, you know, it's equally important because in the messaging, you're actually making the promise. 
And so if the product doesn't fulfill the promise that you're making, then that isn't going to work. So it's interesting. He has stories where the product is essentially done and it was really iterating on that marketing message that led to product market fit. So led to this ramp up in sales and growth. And so that iteration, you know, depending on what phase you're in, how often you're you're iterating and learning exactly what that right messaging is, is absolutely critical to find that growth. No, it's so true, right? And like you said, learning and iterating. And now talk to me, I guess, about a situation or a time that you've gone in and actually you've gone under the hood with a company and right away you guys have been able to make some of these changes. And then, you know, talk to me about one, getting the company to buy in and then two, maybe what those changes actually look like when they materialized. Yeah, it's, it's tough. And there's actually not many huge wins out there. I mean, we've changed individuals, but changing organizations is really, really hard. You know, there's a couple of, of pretty big wins out there, including ING, which is a bank in Europe out of the Netherlands. This is pretty extraordinary. They've basically restructuring their entire company, that all of the banking units in all of these different countries to be agile. So the very structure, there's no more, you know, sort of vertical departments. It's built upon uh, this concept of organizing people around domain expertise. Sure, that's a guild, but that's not like their reporting mechanism. There's not a hierarchy in there. That's how they level up their skills. And then you cut across all of the different guilds in the company to form tribes. And those tribes are given a mission the mission has hopefully something is tied directly to improving the performance or increasing efficiency or whatever their objective is, but they've formed this cross-functional uh, tribe and given them a, you know metrics that measure their progress towards incrementally uh, improving whatever it is that they're assigned to approve. And so the company then, the principles they apply inside of ING are called PACE. And PACE is their is the internally branded version of what I call lean innovation, this combination of design thinking, lean startup, and agile. You know, we sort of combine those in a particular way so that teams know how to balance their work between the execution stuff, the things that they have to do because they're known versus here's the stuff that we don't know, here's what we have to go do in learning mode. Fundamentally, all businesses have some amount of uncertainty. And again, when I'm talking about uncertainty, it's it's really about the uncertainty that we have some control over. You know, just we don't know when the pandemic is going to end. We have limited control over that, though we have some if we all wear masks. And then there's the uncertainty that we have more control over, like how do we learn how to manage remote workers? But so all teams, all individuals have some amount of uncertainty. And, and so they need to learn how to balance this execution work with this learning work. And some parts of the organization, there's very little learning required, but I guarantee there's some. And in other parts of the organization, there's massive amounts of learning to be done. Um, but remember, the goal of learning is to learn. It's to get the things in the unknown bucket over to the known bucket so you can start executing on them or or pass them on to the people that are experts at the executing. And so fundamentally, there's some successes in there where in the end, the work is being organized around balancing this search, this search, this learning work and that execution work. Um, but it's a tough, tough, long journey. I think what's, the, I guess the positive I would say around there is that even if the organization doesn't change, the, the teams can keep working that way once they've 
once they've learned how. And we really do hear often from team members, I never want to go back to the way I was working before. It's a very inspiring way to work. It's a creative way of work. Uh, and, and so people want to do it. They're not doing just what they're told. They're doing what actually makes an impact. And I think that's I think that that's what people want, right? Everybody wants to make an impact. Everybody wants to make a contribution. And I, I think that's the future of work is empowering people to be able to do that. 100% is even empowering, you know, like you said, if it's not the organizations, then even getting down to the staff members and the people you work with, where then they see see the light, so to speak, and they're, they're like, okay, I'm not going back. This is the way that we should be approaching problems, learning um, and learning, not just confirming our, you know, preconceived bias, right. but actually like, right. let's step out and say, I don't know anything. What could be happening? And then let's make adjustments. So yeah, I, I'm right there with you. Brant, before we wrap this up, let people know where can they learn more about your companies and connect with you online? A lot of people probably say this. I really encourage people to reach out. If you just have questions about what I'm talking about and just want to send me an email or, or whatever, please do. I respond to everyone. I'm Brant Cooper, Brant at BrantCooper.com, Brant Cooper on all of the social media. If people are interested in some of our tools, we do have a free toolkit at MovesTheNeedle.com. And that's really the consultancy or you know, we do advising and training and all these different programs to help really larger established companies. I've also launched the 10 year anniversary of the first book that I wrote and I've added a bunch of stuff, jobs to be done, um, some more on agile design thinking. And I have some memberships there, which provide uh, more tools, updated tools, videos, and I'll be continuing to add there over time. So that's at startupbluebook.com. But even aside from my actual tools and whatnot, I just encourage people to reach out if they have any questions or comments or thoughts and, and happy to engage at some level. Very cool. You guys got it. Go connect with Brant um, and definitely connect if you have any questions on that. Brant, thanks so much for taking the time today. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Jordan. Fun talking to you. All right, everybody, that is it for the episode. As always, please hit like, share, subscribe, and I'll catch you next time. Um.